Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Impacting the Classroom, the podcast that talks about big topics in education. I am Marnetta Larimer, and as always, you know I like to ask, what's impacting education? This season, we've been exploring the current crisis facing education. There is simply not enough teachers. Fewer are joining the workforce, and many are choosing to leave for higher paying jobs. On top of that, Decades of research has shown that teacher quality is what matters most for child outcomes. But how do you ensure teacher quality during a teacher shortage? I'm joined today with folks from Teach for America who are tackling that very challenge. I'm like so excited for these two people. Grant Van Eaton, Senior Research Scientist at Teach for America, and Robin Graytrex, Senior Managing Director, Teacher Leadership Development Learning and Insights for Teach for America. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I like I, you know, I feel like we're just kind of attached and you can just we could just do this kind of thing, you know, often. <laughs> Maybe we can meet up every like couple of episodes because there is so much that you can share with our audience that can be very beneficial for, you know, moving things forward. Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. They don't even know what you're going to tell them yet. So before we get to that, Grant, can you tell us a little bit about what your role is at Teach for America? Yeah, happy to. Thanks, Marnetta. So I'm Grant Van Eaton, and like Marnetta said, I'm a senior research scientist. Uh, I started as a core member about 15 years ago. Uh, so I was a high school biology teacher at Teach for America, or through Teach for America in Washington, D.C., where I currently live. And uh, then kind of got bit by the bug of how can we create better prepared teachers faster? Uh, how can we ensure they're having a really strong impact on their students? Uh, so I went back to grad school. And uh, as I got more into kind of the research side of things, I, I really got frustrated with how we were measuring classroom learning and how teachers uh, were having an impact in the classroom. And so I got really curious about how do we how do we make these measures? How do we do a better job of like actually measuring things that matter uh, for high quality teaching? And so really focused on that uh, through my graduate school career and then came to Teach for America on staff where my job is essentially to do that. Uh, so I look at how are we measuring uh, the, the ways in which our teachers are learning, developing. How do we make sure they're doing that even faster and even better over time so we can be having better impact on, on kids in the classroom? And then how do we know that we are actually having that impact so that kids are, are thriving uh, and not just their academic outcomes, but, but their broader outcomes as well. And so uh, to do that, I work very closely with Robin, uh, with our program team, and with a lot of academics. Uh, so I manage all of our research partnerships with really fantastic academics across the field and partnerships with people like Teachstone to ensure that we're working in community to do this work together better and to really have an impact on the broader field. Uh, our learning is not just about how can we help Teach for America and, and our teachers do better, but the entire field uh, do better by kids. Uh, so it's, it's a really fun, a really fun role. Wonderful. I'm not going to lie. Like, I love research and using it to inform my practices and stuff, but just the thought of doing the research makes me sleepy. So so I love that there's people out there like you that just gathers it for me and I can just go from there. Um, Robin. Similar to Grant, I started my journey in education as a core member. I was an elementary school teacher in New Orleans and in Houston. And then also similar to Grant, I sort of caught the bug and went to graduate school where I really fell in love with the work of teacher education and really thinking about how do we 
help support and develop our new teachers, induct them into the profession, and then provide them with the tools and resources that they need to stay and continue their impact in education. Um, and that's how I made my way back to Teach for America. And I worked for a really long time in our summer programming and our summer training. And because I have a background in data and research, uh, similar to Grant, I sort of fell into a role where I support the data learning and insights work that we do um, specifically on the program team at Teach for America. And so I sort of think of my role as being one that helps us get better, faster together and really thinking about how we can use data to inform that continuous improvement in our practice at all levels. So um, for those of us sort of at the upper levels of administration, all the way down to our coaches and our core members with our students. And so I love this role because I really get to focus on how we are supporting teachers, how we are helping them do great things in community with their kids, and how they really can sort of find their own way to make their impact with their areas of strength and what most interests them. Wonderful. I will say, and I'm sure our listeners and our viewers will just see it. There is just this great energy between the two of you. And you can tell there's just this nice, loving, collaborative relationship that's really for the betterment um, of your organization. So if you haven't felt it yet, you will by the time we're done. <laughs> All right. So my first question for you, and you you know, hinted at some of this in your introductions, but I want you to tell us more about Teach for America and how you are specifically supporting the education workforce. Yeah, happy to start with that. Uh, and so for those of you that are not as familiar with Teach for America, uh, because we are, are less than the early childhood space, uh, but we place teachers all the way from pre-K through 12th grade. We have approximately 4,000 what we call core members, uh, which is our fancy word for novice teachers uh, in their first two years that are still actively receiving uh, Teach for America support day to day in the classroom. And Teach for America is built on what we call a two-pronged theory of change. Uh, so that first prong is immediate impact. Uh, and our two primary programs for that are the one that most people are familiar with, our core member program. So having teachers in classrooms working with kids on the day-to-day. -day. Uh, we also have a newer program that we call our Ignite Fellows. And those are primarily college students uh, who are doing high-impact virtual tutoring for uh, students that are, are in the K-12 space. Uh, so we have those two things that are in that first prong of our theory of change, of having immediate impact on kids uh, in classrooms. And then our second uh, prong of our theory of change is around long-term systems change impact. We know that educational inequity is baked into our system, and this system has been working that way for literally generations, and that the only way we're really going to be able to solve that is if we work to change the system from every possible angle. It is going to take more than just dedicated teachers and dedicated administrators to, to fix the systemic issue. We need policymakers actively working on it. We need strong doctors working for healthcare access in communities. We need lawyers representing uh, people who have been harmed by the system. And so we know it's going to take a whole community uh, of support. And so by having our core members in the classroom, having that firsthand experience, and then taking that with them to wherever they feel like they can have the most impact, that's the second part of our theory of change, of how we're going to change the entire system to be more equitable for all students. As part of this work, we've established what we call our 2030 goal. And that's uh, by 2030, we want twice as many children in the communities where we work to reach key educational milestones that indicate that they're on a path both for economic mobility and for a future filled with possibility. And we're measuring that at both the national, using national metrics and local metrics. 
so on the national scale, we're looking at third grade reading scores, fourth grade and eighth grade math scores, and then college and career readiness in high school. Uh, those are really research-backed critical points in, in students' development that we know if, if they're doing well at those moments, they are on a trajectory to really have long-term impact in their educational career. And then we have a, a suite of local metrics that we're looking at as well. Absenteeism, suspension rates in schools, retention at different grade level points, social emotional learning, misplacement in special education, student mobility, and how often they're transferring across schools to really capture how, how are these things influencing long-term outcomes for kids. And as part of that, I'm sure a quick question that comes to mind, okay, so you've had all these teachers, one, how many are they? And how many of them are actually then still in education, uh, looking at those two prongs? So to date, we have more than 60,000 people that have gone through the Teach for America program. Uh, we're a little over 30 years old now and have quite the alumni base. After you've finished your two years as a core member, uh, we, you graduate to alumnihood. We call them alumni. 60% of those alumni are still working in a profession connected to education. Uh, so these could be teachers, they could be school leaders, they could be district administrators, state systems leaders. And of those, about a third of our alumni, around 20,000, are still actively teaching in the classroom. So a number of, of our alumni are still, still there doing that hard work every single day. And then we have a number of alumni around them supporting them in, in a number of different, different fields. So that's kind of a, a quick overview of, of Teach for America. And curious if that raises any questions or anything we could talk more about. Yeah, well, I mean, you covered so much. I was just writing notes of, you know, just like your theory of change, right, and the two prongs. Um, when I think about that first prong, right, what do you do to entice or invite people into Teach for America, like, and just kind of catch them into this beautiful web that you have? It's such a great question. And I think one of the things that's really unique about Teach for America is that we position ourselves as a leadership development program. And we see the fundamental sort of foundation of that leadership development being teaching as an act of truly profound leadership that happens in the classroom in partnership with kids. And so we're really looking primarily on college campuses, but our recruitment network is very vast and also looks to recruit leaders who are beyond their college years. And our emphasis is around recruiting and selecting outstanding and diverse leaders that really demonstrate what we think of as the qualities necessary for systems changed leadership and a deep, just profound commitment to expanding opportunity for children in low-income areas. And so we have a pretty large recruitment team that works across, like I said, college campuses and other sort of professional networks to identify folks who maybe didn't initially think that their pathway into a career that makes impact was through education, but through conversations and through exposure and helping people understand sort of the challenge of educational inequity, they really get connected to and see a pathway to make that systems change through their own leadership, through education. And so it's through that recruitment and selection model that we bring those teachers in. And I think one of the things that's really kind of amazing about what we've been able to do with that recruitment and selection model is that we are now bringing in one of the most diverse groups of teachers into the field, not only in terms of racial and ethnic diversity, but also in terms of the percentage of our core members who come from low-income experiences and low-income backgrounds themselves. And so it's pretty powerful what this model does because we are then activating and helping to support folks bring the leadership skills that they have developed 
through their life experiences, through their college experiences, through their other career pathways to bear in our classrooms and in our communities, which I think is incredible yeah. in terms of what that means for changing even the teaching force itself and the implications that that has for students of color and for students from low-income communities. Uh, beautiful response, which I, more things came up to my mind, right? <laughs> you were talking about like these recruitment efforts, right? And part of what we're talking about and what I opened with is, you know, this, this shortage, right? So even with the best recruitment, you know, please come to this field. It's really not going to pay you very much, right? So um, how do you combat the compensation piece at Teach for America? Yeah, so one of the things that we've really invested a lot of our organizational capacity in, and, and I don't just mean in terms of the work we do, but also in terms of some of the financial resources that we're able to sort of organize and, and bring to teachers because of who we are and our track record of success, is we provide res- we provide our teachers with some financial incentives to join the core that help them transition to this new career in teaching. A lot of our people change regions, they move to a new location to become a teacher. And so our financial support helps them make that transition. We're also an AmeriCorps-aligned program. And so our teachers receive um, AmeriCorps stipends that they can use to go to graduate school or pay down student loan debt that they've already incurred through other pathways. So there's some financial incentives that we're able to provide um, teachers when they join our program. But beyond that, one of the value adds that we're selling our teachers um, and helping in the recruitment of our folks is that we provide ongoing support for them in their first two years that they're with us while they're core members. That support is ongoing coaching and development and also access to high quality, rigorous resources through their connection to Teach for America. And then in alumni hood, I think one of the really powerful things that we're offering people and that sort of incentivizes their connection to Teach for America is this alumni network that Grant referenced before. So not just alumni in education, but beyond that. And we have some specific programs and fellowships that are accessible to our alumni. Um, and, and that helps provide especially additional support in education for folks that stay in that field. Um, so support in becoming school leaders or instructional coaches or support in improving their practice in the classroom as well. So you're really just going yeah. to take them under your wing, right? Like, you know, it's just like trust in me, right? And we will take care of you, right? Yeah. And Marnetta, while we're doing so much for our core members and and kind of that, that alumni network, the broader stuff that Robin talks about, I think we're also doing a lot, well, I don't think, I know, that we're doing a lot of advocacy work too around those systemic fixes uh, to uplift the entire profession. So we've been talking a lot about how do we incentivize more affordable teacher housing, especially in communities uh, that can be very, that have very high cost of living, uh, but teacher salaries have not kept up with that. We've also been doing a lot of advocacy work around reducing teacher-student loan debt and how we can make that more affordable from a cost of living perspective and ensuring that there's higher pay for teachers in uh, areas that are traditionally under-resourced and especially early on in their career, like you said, to make it more attractive to to join that profession and to put in the time and effort and energy. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of teachers on this call and we all know how those first few years are uh, (laughs) and how little time there is. And uh, I the number of like side hustles a lot of teachers have too in order to try to make ends meet while also trying to do the best that they can for their kids every single day. So while we are investing a lot of resources in our teachers, uh, we know that it's a much bigger systemic issue and we're really working hard to advocate for systemic fixes as well. Yeah, because when you think about 
you know, Maslow, <laughs> right? Right. That hierarchy of needs, right? You're taking care of those foundational, those base needs so they can really focus on the things that really matter and that are really going to elevate their lives and the lives of the people, um, the students that they touch. So wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. That was like really helpful context. I appreciate that background on TFA. So what kind of work is Teach for America doing to ensure teacher quality, right? We talked about how we're bringing them in and how we support them. So let's talk about teacher quality and what that looks like at Teach for America. Let's break it into two places, right? Let's talk about like coaching and PD first. Yeah. So our coaching model really starts at right away when, when people are admitted and they start their journey with us in the summer. And of course, that rests on this foundation I, I referenced earlier about our recruitment and selection model. So we have a really rigorous process by which we are recruiting and selecting people that we think have the foundational skills and orientation that will make them quality teacher leaders in the classroom. And so when they first come to us, they undergo a um, pre-service training program over the summer that's research tested and really prepares to support them to enter their first day of school and enter their classroom and focuses on sort of four key things, helping teachers understand the classroom conditions to support rigorous student outcomes and how to create those classroom conditions in partnership with their kids, content-specific support and pedagogy and lesson preparation, anti-racist teacher leadership, and then also a practicum teaching experience in summer school that all of our core members undergo um, as part of their summer training. From there, they continue to receive coaching support from us for their entire two years that they're with us as core members. And that coach really serves as a connector that helps the core member make meaning of their practice, think about their areas of strength and their areas of development, think about where they should focus their efforts to improve their practice and improve their outcomes with kids, and then help them get connected to rigorous aligned resources in their broader ecosystem of support. Some of those are resources that are provided by Teach for America, and some of that is helping them really think through how to make the best use of the resources that are available to them in their community where they're teaching, with their certification partner, with their, their district and whatever supports their district may or may not provide. And so we're really trying to help core members make sense of and access the best supports that are available to them in alignment with the places where they want to improve their practice. Teach for America specifically provides core members access to a whole host of virtual and online resources. And we also provide them access to one-on-one -on -one rigorous instructional coaching experts that are aligned to their grade and or content area through a partnership with an organization called Better Lesson. And so that support continues for core members through the two years. And we're really working on putting some emphasis on consistency of that support. So core members are really working with the same coach through their experience so that they're really building a strong relationship, building a foundation with that person who can provide that consistent support and making meaning of their own practice and thinking through what resources are best aligned to them. And we're really making a sort of a shift here to connect core members to research-backed, rigorous, things that exist in the broader community of education versus trying to create everything in-house. And this is a place where to shift us to the role that we think class will play in our ecosystem. This is a place where we are just so thrilled and excited about starting to use class at Teach for America because we know class provides this 
unbelievable orientation to interactions between educators and children that lead to stronger outcomes with our kids. And so this is our first year of doing this. We're really excited. We are going to be observing with class for all of our pre-K through fourth grade core members this year, which is which will probably be about a third of our core. And we really see this as an opportunity to provide shared language, a shared framework, and a shared tool for our coaches and teachers to make meaning of their practice in a way that is oriented around educator quality and really amazing interactions between educators and kids in the classroom as a way to help support that through um, their early training and their two years as a core member. Grant, I don't know if there's anything else that you would add there in terms of why we selected class and why we're so thrilled about this partnership. Yeah, hold on. Cause I mean, I was getting ready to get into that. That was my <laughs> next question, right? Like tell me about this partnership. That was a great segue. So Grant, pick it up. Like tell us more about this partnership. And I agree, Robin, class is everything. I'm a little biased, but <laughs> that you stated. So it's, I love, and I want to get back to something you said, but first I'd like to talk about this partnership with TeachStone and Teach for America. Yeah, happy to. And thanks for the great segue, Robin. So I, I cannot like underscore enough just how excited we are about TeachStone, about class, and uh, what this is going to mean for kids and communities in the communities where we work. And we started this journey over two years ago. It's taken us two years. So if there are people out here listening that are thinking about like the systems change, how do you bring this? How do you come about? It's not a fast process. Uh, it, it has been a uh, slow roll, but because of that, we've been able to pull in a lot of investment and get a whole system really excited about the work that we're doing together. Uh, so about two years ago, we started with just a basic needs and landscape analysis, and we worked with over 60 different partners. I think about 40, 30 or 40 of them were internal, and, and the other 20 or 30 were external, uh, thinking about funders, foundations, school systems, school leaders where we work, our core members, to see what did they need out of a, a measurement that we were going to use to think about the quality of our, of our classrooms and classroom interactions? And, and a number of things came up from that. Uh, one, we needed something that we could really rigorously ground uh, coaching conversations in, that core members could use to further their own learning and development on their own, that they could use in conversation with their coaches to improve their practice, uh, and that we could use as an organization to target supports better and, and more agilely in the moment to say, Ooh, we're seeing X, Y, or Z on this measure. Let's make sure that we're providing the support in the moment to, to make sure our corners are getting what they need to have the impact on students. The other really important thing for us was that we needed to have a really high level of confidence that if our corners were doing better on this tool, if we were coaching them toward higher scores on whatever tool we worked with, then we knew it was going to mean better things for kids. I needed to have predictive validity for eventual student outcomes and not just academic outcomes, uh, but the broader SEL outcomes as well. And so kind of with this, this map and these criteria in place, uh, we did a deep dive into the research literature and we looked at a number of different tools and time and time again, class came up as like the most researched tool that, that could do precisely all of those things. Uh, it was also really important for us, uh, if we have any former core members out there listening, uh, we used to have a kind of our own internal metric called the TAL rubric, teaching as leadership rubric. And that was great. It served its purpose at the time, but it really only made sense to us. And if we tried to communicate it out to others, people were like, what is this nonsense? Like this thing you all made up, how do we even know it works and it's real? Uh, and so it was really important to us that we had something that was broadly used in the field, that we knew had a lot of evidence behind it. And when we go to talk to external partners and researchers that we work with, they'd be like, oh yeah, 
I know that tool, I get it. I understand that the things you're working toward and it's applicable across a lot of contexts, not just in the TFA context. So at that point, I think we, we reached out to you all and to Bridget uh, and had some connections through some other academics we were working with. Uh, shout out to, to Julie Cohen out there. And we're able to start to explore what would this look like in the TFA context? Uh, we're a unique context. We're not a district. Uh, we don't run a whole school. Uh, we don't work with all the teachers in that school and do all of their PD. Uh, and so how could we adapt this to our context and the way our coaches work across a number of different states? Uh, that was another key criterion was that the, the content neutral nature of class that we could use it across all of our grade levels, the, I think it's more than 30 some odd states that we place in across the country and have really rigorous data across all those contexts to allow a coach in California to talk to a coach in New York City uh, or a coach in Appalachia about strengths that they were seeing in their cohorts and how they can learn from one another. So that, that was really what brought us to class. And, and one last point before, uh, Marnetta, I'm sure you'll, you'll push us into dive in other things. Mm -hmm. uh, it was really important to us that it be about learning and development, mm -hmm. not accountability. Uh, Robin and I, actually, I think we, we both were teaching around the No Child Left Behind era. We've seen the impact firsthand of what high stakes accountability can mean for teachers and schools and districts and the negative effects that it can have. And we've seen that through our own research and all of our policy work and talking with a number of stakeholders. And so we really wanted to be sure that as we were adapting a tool, we were doing it from the lens of how are we using this in order to help the teachers grow in order to have stronger outcomes for their kids, not to evaluate them, not to look at their performance in the classroom, but to help them get stronger and better for their kids. So all of that really brought us to class. Uh, in class, we felt like encapsulated all of that. And we are so excited. Uh, we did a mini pilot uh, back in the spring uh, to kind of get our feet wet with it. And now, as Robin said, we're doing this with about 30 to 40% of our core members this year before scaling it up to 100% the year after. And we are, so excited to learn together uh, through this journey. Yeah, it's been great to watch your progress through, right? It's like every time I see you, you guys are even more classy and more <laughs> class excited, right? I was like, almost like a drug, but not really. <laughs> but um, on the table behind me, but I have my like stay classy pin. And I actually, this is my like geek moment. So I, you know, we all know reliability exam is hard. Uh, I, I stumbled a little on my first try and like came in guns flaring for the second. And so when I got my certified uh, class observer card, I still keep it on my desk because it, it makes me so happy. I'm so proud of it. Uh, you so yes, we're getting very classy over here. <laughs> you earned it. I've been doing this for like ever and I still wait for mine in the mail. I'm just like, where's it at? <laughs> where's it at? So lot, between the two of you, lots of great things that I heard, right? I was listening to the in very intentional onboarding of, you know, your teacher leaders at TFA. And then I was curious in that, you know, when I thought about the four things you covered, right? One of them being like anti-race, you know, racist practice, like um, across the four things. In that onboarding, like what's the percentage that everyone of the people who make it through, right? Is like, what does it look like for the people who look at this and like, this is just like too much. Is it very little or is like, what does that look like? Our, our retention, yeah, our retention through pre-service is pretty high. Of the people who start our actual program with us, we retain about 95 to 98% of our teachers through that training program, which I think is amazing. I think that's great. And I don't know if we, what our data look like in terms of comparing what our retention for our, our first two years of, te of teachers looks like relative to um, non-Teach for America teachers. But we keep a fair amount of our folks 
in the classroom for those two years. And as Grant noted, we still have about 30% of our alumni in the classroom teaching still. And one of the things I think about, and I know we don't have data on this, but I always like to think about what percentage of those are folks that would never have become teachers if it weren't for an alternative certification pathway that helped them think about this work as an act of leadership and that provided them with so much support in their first two years of teaching. And that's and that's kind of a no number, but that's all what I always like to think about is how many of our folks are folks that never would have thought of teaching as being a pathway for their work that have now made an entire career out of it and are still teaching in classrooms with kids. And now I'm upset that you brought this question and I don't have an answer for that question. Like, <laughs> so now I'm going to be just pondering it <laughs> so yeah. back and let me know, like, I'm going to need you guys to do some mining and figure that out. <laughs> what that number is. Grant, you said something too, just, you know, about, you know, it took like two years, you know, and you said it was a slow roll. And I think I just want to emphasize, you know, that's just like class, right? So as, you know, systems adopt, you know, class and you're looking at those shifts in practices and right. And those outcomes, it is a slow roll, right? Like, so you might have some PD, (laughs) you know, and, but you can't expect sixes and sevens after that PD, right? You have to celebrate all the little integers in between because it is, it's, it's a, it's a walk, not a run, you know, when we're looking at those effective quality interactions that we're looking for in consistency in those classrooms. Marnetta, we get our first large data set this fall and I am just dying to see the data. I am so excited. (laughs) Uh, And like you said, it's going to be a journey over the next few years as we better internalize and understand class but this is our baseline. This is where we get to start uh, on that journey. And I am so, so excited to establish that baseline. And then and then the real work starts uh, of uh, helping nudge those scores higher and higher each year. Yep. And, but again, I'm just going to say, and I have to, whenever I'm coaching, I just have to say, we celebrate an Im- any improvement is a big one, right? So 0.01, yes. like we're celebrating all of it. Whole numbers are great, but yes, you, any movement forward is amazing. Um, I also love that you your approach and your rollout of this is very important. You know, you said I, you know, you want them to use it to get stronger. So, you know, in a, using class and teachers understanding that it's not a punitive measure, not trying to catch them, not trying to write, and looking at what it's actually intended to do, which is just to support those children and give them what they need to be successful. <laughs> Yeah, and people in life like that's the best too because when it happens to people you know it makes it more challenging and really the classroom suffers like the students suffer right so I think one of the things I really love about class and the opportunity it provides around that Marnetta is one we're always trying to orient to progress over perfection like progress 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 and we're always also trying to orient to a strengths orientation to the work we do and one of the things I love about class is that it outlines what quality, rigorous interactions look like between educators and children that we know lead to, to better, better outcomes with kids. But it does it in a way that still allows educators to be who they are and yeah. still allows kids to be who they are. Okay. And that to me is really critical in all of this because we need to help orient our core members to both sides of that. We need to help them see how they can be amazing educational leaders for their kids and maintain their true authentic identities and create a classroom environment in which the same is true for kids, where kids are involved in rigorous, creative learning, but that are 
able to bring their authentic true selves to that learning environment and to that classroom space. And I think that allows us to celebrate every win. That allows us to say, what are our strengths here? These are your strengths. Great. Let's keep building on that. And it allows us to see the beautiful interactions that happen with our educators and with their kids. That may not be 100% of the time. It's not going to be 100% of the time. And there are definitely places where we need to get better. But class is such an asset-based tool that allows people to be who they are and for us to really celebrate everyone. Absolutely. I mean, I love it. Come as you are. And I mean, the teachers, the people who are living in that classroom day after day, they know those students. They know that community, right? They know what they need. And it just allows them to serve them in the way they know how to serve them <laughs> in the best way <laughs> that they know how to do it. And right. So yes, I couldn't have said it any better. That respect for the communities that we're serving, the individuals that we're serving and allowing them to just come as they are is exactly what I love about class too. Grant, I also wanted to say you shouted out Julie and now she's going to have a, a bunch of DMs with people trying to help. <laughs> so I don't know. Look, you have to be careful with shout outs around here. Um, <laughs> it's lots of attention. She's truly amazing. She's a very busy woman, but especially for like science of, of reading and all, all the stuff for our early learners. Truly amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. So, I mean, just like so much, I want to make sure that I caught everything that I wanted to and I did. So we have this wonderful collaboration that I'm looking forward. I'm I'm so excited to read your outcomes and just kind of just follow this journey with you all. I mean, that's what I'm saying. This might have to be like a check-in, you know, type of thing just for. Yeah, we'd love to come back this fall and and give some updates on, on what we're learning and finding. I think that would be great because as systems are adopting class, you know, some of the questions is just how to get started. You know, what do you do? And like you said, it's, it is a process. So they're always looking for ways um, and ideas on how they could do that and, and implement it in the most effective way. So I think updates would be really good for our listeners. So with this partnership, well, and just in general, what kind of impact on students do you hope to see? Yeah, that's a great question, Marnetta. And one thing that's really fun about being a researcher at Teach for America uh, is that we we are constantly learning, uh, and especially when we can do really rigorous learning, we're constantly changing. And so, as I say that, Teach for America over our 30 years is one of the most, if not the most, researched teacher preparation uh, pathway. Uh, We have a strong set of evidence uh, for the the research nerds out there, if you're familiar with the What Works Clearinghouse from the uh, Institute of Education Sciences at the Department of Education. uh, We have a whole impact paper uh, with really rigorous data from randomized control trials, from number of uh, propensity score matching impact studies, showing the positive impact of of TFA core members across tons of grade levels uh, in math and in reading achievement for kids. We're not satisfied with that. Uh, so, so while we do have evidence of our impact, what, what we really care about is constantly pushing ourselves to grow even more. And so our hope with class is that by having, as Robin mentioned earlier, a shared language that allows us to communicate and look at similar data across all of our regions across the country, we're gonna be able to accelerate that and have an even greater impact on the outcomes for kids. And not just academic outcomes, but also their broader uh, SEL outcomes. And so in addition to looking at uh, standardized test scores, uh, which is kind of you know, the currency that we're all still held to in many ways, 
Uh, we have a partnership with uh, Cultivate for Coaches out of the University of Chicago and Camille Farrington's team there, who are just amazing, uh, to look at student surveys and bring student voice uh, into the conversation. So our hope is that by combining class scores to look at the classroom interactions that are happening between teachers, students, students, and students, and also bringing in the student voice component, that we can really accelerate the impact that we're having in classrooms grounded in really rigorous, broad evidence of what's happening in those classrooms. Um, so much of our work to date has been based on those, those student achievement scores, which are just really lagged. Uh, we often don't get the data for a year, two years after uh, it's happened. And so one, I can't make any changes uh, in the moment. Uh, but two, I don't know about you, but two years past, uh, I can't really remember what we did two years ago and what may or may not have uh, led to any of that change. Uh, and it's such a high level, what we call in research world, like a distal measure of what happened in classrooms that it doesn't give me a lot of granular evidence of how we did or didn't change something or what could have contributed to the changes we're seeing. So what we're really excited about with class is that across the three domains and the 10 dimensions, we have a much more nuanced way to look at how interactions are shifting on a number of different axes and be able to change in the moment. We can respond to them. Core members can look at their class scores and make their own changes. They can seek out their own resources in the moment if they want to. Uh, in their coaching conversations, they can work with their, their coaches in order to figure out what's going to turbocharge their practice and get some support. And then at the organizational level, we can deploy more systematic supports to different areas of the country based on trends we're seeing, because we know all classrooms aren't the same, all communities aren't the same. It has to be contextualized, and class is going to give us data in order to contextualize the resources and supports that we're offering based on the needs of those teachers and of that system uh, locally, and we're really, really excited about that. I think one of the other things I'll add, and Grant spoke a lot about the academic outcomes that we want to be true for our students and sort of the research base into the impact of our program. But one of the things that we've really become, I think, I would call it more sophisticated about over the past several years is an expansive understanding of what student outcomes really matter in terms of um, creating a more equitable society um, and the role that our future and younger generations play in that work. And so it's not enough just to achieve academic outcomes with our kids. It is also critically important that we look at the sort of broader student outcomes that are also relevant to the way that our kids grow up and interact with the society as it currently exists and what a society could look like that changes and becomes more equitable. And so we really orient our teachers around a set of broader outcomes. Obviously, the academic outcomes are foundational and we need to reach those. But there are also other outcomes that go alongside that help enable those academic outcomes and lead to things beyond just success in school. So those are the development of skills to learn, lead, and thrive in our society, and also the development of equity-minded orientations and agency among our students. And this is a place where I really think that class is really aligned to interactions that help develop those things with kids. And so the, when I think about some of the aspects of class that help students be who they are, express their own ideas, express their own opinions, make their own choices and really authentic choices. When I think about even things as foundational as students having the opportunity to move their bodies in the way that they need to move their bodies, all of these things are bits and pieces that are connected to these broader outcomes that we are working towards. Um, with our teachers and with our students. And so there's this just beautiful, I think, 
synergy and alignment between this idea of interactions um, and what that looks like in classrooms that build not only towards the academic part, but also to these other things that we believe are just as important and also enable the academic success with our kids. Uh, beautifully put from both of you. Earlier in, like when we first started talking, Grant, you were talking about this 2030 goal, right? Where are you right now on that goal, on that path to that goal? Marnetta, you're holding my feet to the fire here. <laughs> so, so we know that two of our regions have met the goal, and you're going to ask me which two, and Robin, <laughs> hopefully fact check me here. I know one of them is Washington, D.C., and I have to check on which one the second one is. I have an idea of what it is, but I'm worried I'm going to say it out loud, and then people are going to fact check me, and I'm going to get it wrong, uh, and then we get getting emails. Essentially, we're looking at communities where this has happened. So, so we know that D.C., over the previous 10 years, was able to double uh, the success and the proficiency of their students across a number of these metrics. And we really want to learn from them. Uh, so we've worked really closely with those communities to put together case studies on what were the different factors that allowed this. Uh, we know policy is a huge part of it. We know that strong school leaders and strong quality of educator in the classroom is a huge part of it. Uh, and this is not then for TFA to go in and tell a community how to do it or how to get there. Uh, but more about being a convener in the community to say, hey, let's build a bunch of partnerships to work on this together. Uh, and so I think we look at the 2030 goal. Yes, it's something we care about and believe deeply in at Teach for America. But we see it as kind of our rallying cry to, to push us to be in better conversation with communities, because it's really it's a community based goal. It's a systems change goal. Our core members alone are never going to be able to achieve that for a community. Um, Marnetta, this is public record, so I can just say it, like, we are 1% of the teaching force, if even that, on a given year. Uh, Teach for America alone is not going to change all of the inequity in the system. But through our alumni base, through our community partnerships, and through the way in which we want to orient ourselves to others, it's really important to us that we are working toward a goal in community with the communities in order to, to build this and learning from communities that have done it really well taking those lessons with us to other places that we work, and then figuring out how to adapt it, because no two communities are the same. I think that there's like such a deep connection here to, Marnetta, your sort of opening question here around workforce, and how do we bring new teachers in? How do we keep teachers in the profession? And I think we've all experienced, regardless of what your role is in education, the reality that we ask way too much of our teachers, mm. that so much of the inequity in our society and the challenges of that play out and sort of the end of the line there is with our teachers, also our social workers and these other sort of um, folks that are tasked with sort of picking up the pieces and supporting individuals as they experience the impact of our inequitable society, um, our racist society, our classist society. And so I think part of this work that we're doing here around systems change that we're trying to train our teachers in, but then also trying to enact ourselves as an organization is this idea that the only way are, we are going to get to change here is by bringing together a broad coalition around rallying points to help improve outcomes um, and sort of the, the, the equity in our communities. And so that's why we have these community-based goals. That's why we are asking our, our regional teams to work to build those broad coalitions within their community. The regional specific goals that are, are also sort of a part of the 2030 goal 
were written in partnership with that community. So this is not something Teach for America wrote independently. Um, and so we're really trying to play a role in bringing folks together with education as a flashpoint, but really seeing that as a broader project than just what's happening within the four walls of a classroom. Thank you so much. So, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, you know, in this partnership with class, are you hopeful that you'll meet that goal <laughs> sooner? I think so. I, I hope so. Uh, we, we've, we've got, we used to keep calling it the 10-year goal because we started it in 2020. And then we're like, well, how do we know when the 10 years ends? And I kind of loved as a researcher that every year, I essentially got another year to meet the goal. Uh, but then we realized we, we do actually have to put an end <laughs> inbound on it. Uh, so we, we've still got another like six and a half years. Uh, but I feel really confident about that. And I think when we think about what is Teach for America's contribution uh, that we specifically uh, control, that's our core members and our alumni. And our alumni are only as strong as the leaders that we develop uh, as the time in the core. Uh, that's a huge input that we provide. And class is that orienting lens at which we're helping develop their leadership in the classroom. Uh, and I, like, teaching is what I love. I, I like am a huge believer in the profession itself, the skill that is required, the complexity that it takes to be a really high quality teacher. And I don't think, and I think this is Teach for America's theory of action too, you can't change the system unless you understand how to do the work really well. And I think what class is going to do is give our core members a really strong grounding in the complexity of teaching, the complexity of interactions. Mm -hmm. And I, we, we joke that like, we started using the class rubric on ourselves as staff members too. <laughs> like, how are my interactions with these people? And how are my interactions with those people? Like, it's not just for kids. Uh, we as adults yeah, interact with people all the time. Yes. Is a real thing, right? <laughs> I, I'm hoping that that focus and, and that lens, that shared language, that shared lens will really turbocharge us because we won't be talking past each other. We will have a shared framework and a shared grounding in the type of interactions we're looking for, not only to transform classrooms, but to transform systems. Uh, so we're really excited about that and uh, hoping that as we continue to accelerate the gains that we're seeing in classrooms, uh, that'll translate to the broader community as well. And why Rob and I are so excited to be here is that we've got to share all that learning out too. Uh, this isn't just about Teach for America. This is a community goal and not just local communities, but our community of our nation. Uh, and so we're excited to be here to share that. We want to share the journey as we go. We want to learn in partnership with people. So if you're hearing this and you're excited and it resonates with you, reach out to us. Uh, we, we'd love to, to think about this in partnership. Um, so we're, we're excited to be part of the broader class community and to learn from you all and hopefully contribute back some learning as well. I love that. And yes, class interactions, those quality interactions transcend just the classroom, right? It, it becomes a, it's a way of being. How we communicate and interact with each other is important, right? Even as coworkers, if I don't feel like you like me, it's going to be very hard for us to, you know, have this shared common goal <laughs> and, um, and move in a way that is really benefits an organization. So yes, that parallel process is important. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to not only all of the people who are going to be reaching out to you, you know, he's like, <laughs> shout out, please reach out to me. Um, but also um, your research paper, right? So because you mentioned that, I'm hoping that you'll give us that um, so that we can attach it to this and they have access to um, that research paper that you mentioned in our time together. Um, I just want to thank you both, Robin and Grant so much for sharing 
all the work that you're doing at Teach for America and for sharing like your processes in onboarding, retention, supporting um, your teacher leaders and this alumni network, right? Your collaboration with class and Teachstone also, um, just all the things. Thank you so much um, for sharing. I'll be interested in hearing back again on how your journey is going as you start this whole long-term data <laughs> uh, mining from your project. So we're definitely going to have to get you back here so we can do some updating. And Marnetta, thank you so much because you are just incredible. You support our journey in this. And every time I talk with you, I learn something new or it shifts my orientation and I get a little bit smarter at understanding the potential that class has and, and what it can do for us um, and how it's going to help us on this journey. So thank you for being such a cheerleader of us and our work and being there as such an amazing support as we continue along this little journey of ours. Well, anytime, you know, because you have my email, I might have to even give you my number and stuff, but everybody, <laughs> I didn't pay them for that. That's just genuine love right there. Just you know? <laughs> genuine love. Genuine love. <laughs> Listeners, you can find today's episode on our website at teachstone.com slash podcast. There you will find the audio and video versions, as well as full transcript of our conversation. And of course, behind great leading and teaching are powerful interactions. Let's build that culture together. You guys were great. <laughs>